0: Good morning to all of you folks at Calvary Quakertown. It's good for you to join us this morning. As you have just seen, we're starting a new series this morning that we're calling Fruitology. I love when our series titles are words that we make up. That way we can't use them incorrectly since we invented them. Well, this morning in some ways is going to be like a vocabulary lesson for you. You know, students are back in school, they're learning new things, they're taking tests, they're doing quizzes. And so in the spirit of school starting, we're going to learn some vocabulary words. A little while from there, we're going to take a little quiz. So it's going to be like school this morning. Hopefully you won't be bored to death. We're going to kind of make our way through. Well, we made up the word fruitology for some important reasons. You ever notice that lots of English words end with logy, logi, right? Interestingly... The um, suffix "logi" is not an English suffix. It's a Greek suffix that if you've hung out in church much, you already know. The Greek suffix "logi" comes from the Greek word logos. And if you're familiar with John's Gospel... You know that John's Gospel begins that Jesus is, in the beginning was the Word, that's Logos, and the Logos was with God and the Logos was God. Well, the word, Logi, Logos, means word or words. And so when we attach Logi to the end of an English word, what we're really saying is, here are a lot of words, thinking that's producing words, speech, that that goes with a particular topic. So, for example... Genealogy, words about your history and ancestors. Biology, words and thought about life. Pharmacology, words and thought about medicine. So whenever you see the logy suffix on a word, it's words about a particular subject. The subject comes first. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna add a lot of words over the next few weeks on fruit. Well, that kind of raises a the question, then. What kind of fruit are we going to be talking about? Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm kind of a fruit guy. Yeah, I like grapes and oranges and apples, and, but I'm particularly a melon guy. Any of you melon people? I mean, I'm a melon guy, right? particularly if you put salt on it. Um, now, there are also some fruits that masquerade as vegetables. Do you know this? So a tomato is actually a fruit, cucumber, a fruit, eggplant, a fruit, okra. That's not a fruit or a vegetable, that's just nasty, whatever that is. (laughs) And if you like okra, you're sick. Uh, Now the word fruit isn't just things you eat. The word fruit is also used as something that results or comes from something. So for example, we say, oh, that was a fruitful endeavor. The results came, were positive things that came. And so fruit, things that are produced by something, and we're going to talk words that are about fruit, things that are resulting from some action or something at work. Well, are we going to talk about melons and grapes? Are we going to talk about projects? No. Interestingly, the word fruit in the Bible is also used to refer to the character qualities that the Holy Spirit produces in those that follow Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is the one doing the work, and he produces fruit in those followers. Now, he doesn't produce you know, tomatoes and grapes and stuff. He produces character qualities, but they're fruit. And so what we're going to do, we're going to add a whole bunch of thought and words to the character qualities fruit that the Holy Spirit is producing in us. And that's what we're going to do for the next uh, couple of months, maybe eight or nine weeks or so. Because if we're going to continue what Jesus started, then we need to figure out what are the character qualities that Jesus embodied and lived out. And if we're going to continue what he started, then we need to be bearing those fruit and putting those fruit into play for the benefit of other people and to the honor of God. So that's why we're going to take a couple months to do that. Well, we're going to start not by looking at the fruit We're going to start by looking at the cause of the fruit, and that's the Holy Spirit. So we're going to start with, next slide. I didn't want to read it to you. Um, So here's my question. How do you pronounce the first word on that screen? How do you pronounce the first word on the screen? Well, it all depends. It all depends on your job or your hobby. If you're a painter, you pronounce the first word, primer. So if you're going to paint a door that's never been painted before, you don't just slap on the finished coat. You first have to put on a primer. Primer goes first, then the finished coat. Now, if you're a gun guy, you say primer. Primer's the little cap that gets put into the bottom of the bullet assembly thing that creates the little spark that then makes the big boom. That's a primer. If you're a teacher... How do you say the first word? Primer. Same word, same word, right? So primer, if you're a painter or a gun guy, primer, if you're a teacher, but interestingly, it all means the same thing. It doesn't matter if you say primer or primer, it means the same stuff. Here's what it means. Preparation for what follows. Isn't that what a primer is, right? You put the primer on the door to prepare for what's coming after. Um, The little cap prepares the gun for the big boom that's going to come. Primer, elementary principles, whether it be about reading or something else, in preparation for reading or for the thing that comes behind. See how it works? I told you it's a vocabulary lesson, right? We got logi, we got fruit, now we got primer or primer. Well, we're going to start by talking about the Holy Spirit, and this is going to be preparation for what follows. That's why it's primer. That's why it's primer, right? We're preparing for what follows. We're going to talk about fruit, but in order to talk about fruit, we have to talk about the cause of the fruit, the Holy Spirit. So it's a primer or a primer. Well, that's a problem. And I don't have to describe problem to you because you all know, right? Many of you are a problem, right? But you know what a problem is. Now, here's my problem. That's a pretty tall order, a primer on the Holy Spirit. Let me explain it this way. The Zimmermans love Bermuda. We've been to Bermuda a whole bunch of times, but I still vividly remember the first time I was invited to go to Bermuda to speak to a big collection of churches, and the family was all invited. So Kim and the girls all, the girls were little then. We're all excited. We're going to go to Bermuda. We've never been there before. Family vacation. Only Dad has to work. It's going to be a great thing. <laughs> Two days before we're ready to leave, both of the girls come down with chicken pox. Pediatrician says, they can't go. They'll never make it through customs. So what are we going to do? Well, I had to suffer and go alone. <laughs> so Kim and the girls stayed home. I went to Bermuda. And uh, it was kind of exciting. I was getting to know the island, riding around a little moped and stuff, playing golf. It was, it was a wonderful time. But, you know, I, I did start to miss the girls and started to miss Kim and, I was walking on the beach one day, and I had a 35-millimeter an, a camera. And this was back in the old days when a camera actually took film. <laughs> Remember that? And before you had to load this, I had film. And so I had two of those little 35-millimeter 35 35 millimeter film canisters, you know, the little containers. And so I thought, hey, I got a great idea. I'm, I want to show the girls what Bermuda's like, not only with pictures. I'm going to take home some sand and Bermuda ocean water. So I took one of the canisters and filled it with pink sand from Bermuda, put the cap on, went out into the crystal clear water and filled the second canister with Bermuda ocean water, put the cap on, and brought them home. I was so excited, I uh, get them all around me when I'm home. and said, now, I want to show you what Bermuda's like. And I opened that first little canister and said, look at this. They're like, huh? What? And then the uh, ocean, look, this is Bermuda ocean water. Yeah, well, that sand soon got mixed with the sand in their sandbox. I don't know what happened in the ocean water. One of them probably drank it. I don't know. And, uh, well, th- that was an impossible task, right? How in the world can you help someone understand the pink sands of Bermuda with a 35-millimeter canister with like a shot glass full of sand and another canister with a shot glass full of salt water? It's not going to work. Well, that's what I got to do. I got like 15 or 20 minutes to tell you what you need to know about the Holy Spirit in preparation for you to learn about the fruit of the Spirit. So maybe we'll just give up and go home. No, no, you're not doing that. Uh, But it's a big order. So here's what I've decided to do. We're going to try to answer two questions. Primer on the Holy Spirit. Number one, who is he? Number two, what does he do? And if we can at least establish those two things in very elementary 35-millimeter canisters, maybe we'll be able to figure this whole fruit thing out a little better over the next few weeks. Well, here are a few verses from John's Gospel. And I would encourage you, if you want to uh, prepare, right, preparing yourself for what follows, if you want to really understand and get to know about the Holy Spirit that is causing and generating the fruit of the Spirit, read the Gospel of John chapters 14 through 16. In those chapters, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's explaining to them about the Holy Spirit, who he is, what he's going to come and do, how he's going to operate in our lives. So that would be a great passage for you to read and become familiar with so that when we're talking about the fruit, you'll be able to say, okay, now the cause of the fruit is the spirit, the one Jesus spoke about in John 14 to 16. Well, here are a couple verses. In John 14, Jesus says this. I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So somehow this spirit, notice it's capitalized, right? That's the Holy Spirit. The spirit is going to be like Jesus. He's going to be Jesus' presence with us so that we're not left as orphans and alone and he's an advocate, someone who intercedes. If you have an older translation, you may have comforter. You may have counselor. Same idea, advocate. Here are another couple of verses from John 16. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, this is Jesus speaking. He will glorify me because it is for me that he will receive what he will make known to you." Now, let me see if I can tease out a couple things for you to keep in mind. First of all, Holy Spirit, who is he? Well, the first thing you have to realize is the Holy Spirit is not an it, he's a he. You see that in the verses? But when he comes, he will guide, he will not speak, he will speak. The Holy Spirit's not an it, not a force, not some energy. The Holy Spirit is a person. Um, You've probably heard uh, the expression before: "Is hang out of church." We believe in the Trinity. I read a, a, an interesting article this past week where the author of the article said this: "I grew up going to church, and I always thought the Trinity, based on what the preachers always said, I always thought the Trinity was Father, Son, and Holy Scripture." But isn't that true? We talk an awful lot about the Father and the work of God. We talk a lot about Jesus, or hopefully we do, right? The point and purpose of all of the Scripture and all of God's plan. But how often do we talk about the Holy Spirit? We talk a lot about Bible, a lot about Son, a lot about Father. And if you were just to ask people without them knowing Trinity from some kind of you know, theological statement that they've learned in the past, most Christians probably say, oh yeah, the big three, Father, Son, and Holy Scripture. But the Scripture is not a member of the Trinity. The Spirit's a member of the Trinity. Um, If you go back to the John 14 slide, the Holy Spirit is not just any kind of person, though. The Holy Spirit is God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Three persons, one God. That'll hurt your head, right? Now, we know that the Holy Spirit is God, and there are lots of places to find that in the Bible, but it's actually hinted at right here. Now, here's another little vocabulary lesson. Uh, Sorry about this. you keeping track of your vocabulary words? I think you have five or six by the time we're done. Um, You see that word another at the end of the first line? Another. Interestingly, in Greek, they have two words for another. That's kind of weird, right? A little another. But they're, they're very specific in their meaning. So, for example, they have the word heteros, and what that means is another one, but it's different than the first one. Then they have alos, another one, which is exactly the same. You think, now why in the world do you need two anothers? Well, let me give you an example. Suppose you stop in at Starbucks, the new Starbucks that's open in Giant and Saturn. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, you stop in at Starbucks, and you go up to the counter, and as I've done every single day that they've been open, I say to the person at the counter, I want a large, oh, you mean a venti. I want a big one. All right, I want a large, dark roast, very little room for cream. Well, just suppose there's somebody at the counter that's still in training, and rather than going to the Guatemalan or the Italian or the French roast, the dark ones, she happens to go to the blonde roast. Blonde roast coffee is for sissies, all right? Well, for some reason, this uh, know-nothing new barista puts blonde roast in my cup. I see her do it. She comes over. I say, no, 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 no. I want another one. Now, I want another one, different from that one. I want one that doesn't have blonde roast, I want one that has dark roast in it. I want another coffee, but another one different than that one. Right, see the point? In English, we just have another. I want another one, I want a heteros one, that's what I want. She would say, oh, a heteros one, I got it. Well, suppose she gives me my dark roast this time, with very little room, I go over, put a little cream in it, and as I'm leaving, I meet a friend. Maybe it's you. I meet you, and so what do you have there? Oh, I've got a Starbucks dark roast. Oh, really? I'd like one of them, but I don't have any money. Oh, I'd be. Ha- this is not an invitation for me to buy you a coffee. Uh, but I still have some money on my Starbucks app on my phone. I'd be happy to buy you a coffee. So I go over to the counter and I say to the barista, "Hey, I would like another one of these. Now I want another one exactly the same. Got the point?" If you want another one that's different, that you want a dark roast instead of a blonde. If you want another one exactly the same, you want an aloes one exactly the same as that one. Now with that little bit of an explanation, you tell me, which another word is used in John 14? Which one? It's alos. Jesus says, I'm gonna ask the Father, and he's going to send you another advocate. He's the first one. He's gonna send you another one exactly like me, exactly like me. He's going to be God. Now his work will be on the inside, Jesus' work was on the outside, but he's another one exactly like the first one. See how that works? And so the Holy Spirit, who is he? Well, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit's a person. The Holy Spirit is the second advocate, Jesus, the first advocate. Well, that raises the next question: What does the Holy Spirit do? Like, well, what's his work? Well, let me mention two things. First of all, the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. Go to the next slide, the John sixteen slide. No, no, no. One, John sixteen. There we go. Um, here's what. I, look at the last sentence. He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. In a sense. It makes perfect sense that we don't think that much about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's mission is to glorify Jesus, not himself. Think of it this way. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, boy, Charles, you're looking especially, especially handsome today, svelte, debonair. Uh, and maybe, maybe you've been drinking before you came in. We're not sure. But, uh, but the only reason you can see me and notice any of that is because we've got all these lights on me. You couldn't see, see, notice there are no windows in this room? If those lights were not on, no light was on, you couldn't see me, and many of you would get hurt trying to leave the auditorium. I'd go out this back way, so I'd be okay. Uh, The lights allow you to see me. In a sense, that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit shines the light On Jesus, not on himself, so that we see Jesus clearly. We're able to recognize who he is and what he's done. So whenever we have insight into the mission of Jesus, whenever we recognize what Jesus started, and whenever we're compelled to continue what Jesus started, that's always what the Spirit's doing. The Spirit is always pointing to Jesus, never to himself. That's kind of weird, right? The Holy Spirit's mission is to point to somebody else. Oh yeah, by the way, That's our mission too, right? Our mission is not to shine the light on ourselves. We're not building our little kingdoms here. We're not shining light on us. We follow what the Spirit's doing, pointing the light, shining the attention, putting the glory on Jesus, not on ourselves. So that's one thing the Holy Spirit does. He points to Jesus. And secondly, the Holy Spirit reproduces Jesus. The Holy Spirit takes those character qualities that Jesus manifests perfectly and reproduces them in us. Isn't that amazing? So the Spirit takes the character qualities of Jesus, points us to them, shines the light on Jesus, and then does His work inside of us so that we begin to bear and live out those same character qualities. That is why we're doing a series called Fruitology. Jesus, the one that manifests the gospel character qualities perfectly, and then allow the Spirit, cooperate with the Spirit, so that He is reproducing those same qualities in us. And that really brings us to fruit. So let's uh, look at our Galatians um, 5 passage. Here's what the Spirit is producing in you and in me. But the fruit of the Spirit, here are the character qualities, love, joy, peace, Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You want to know what the character qualities of Jesus are? Paul tells us. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They are the nine characteristics that came to Paul's mind when he was painting a picture of Christ-like character. Now, since we're going to look at these qualities for like the next eight or nine weeks, I thought it'd be a really good assignment for all of us together to memorize these two verses. You may be sitting, there, oh man. So let me just help you at the beginning here. Let me ask. How many of you have a great memory? I mean, you've got like a photographic memory. You you hear a name, you read a passage, you remember the passage perfectly, the page it was on, you never forget it. Any of you have a photographic memory? Oh, nobody. <laughs> it's going to be a little harder assignment than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> how many of you have a half decent memory? You know, you, you remember, yeah, raise your hand. Yeah. yeah, you remember people's names. You read something, you kind of remember. You screw up a little bit, but you base. How many of you have a lousy memory, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a long series, I can tell you that. <laughs> you already said, what was that series about again, Charles? What are we studying, Charles? Now, if you have a lousy memory, here's how that works you never remember your cell number. Right? Thankfully, you can go in and look, in, look up your own name. Oh, here's my cell number. Uh, how many of you forget the categories we're talking about already? Uh, yeah, so it doesn't matter, though, whether you have a photographic memory, an average memory, or a lousy memory. We've got a few weeks together to memorize these two verses. So we're going to start right now. We're going to read them together. And depending on your version, it may have different words. Like the older version had patience instead of forbearance. You can memorize whatever one you want. I'll probably mix up and say patience every now and then. But we're going to read the one on the screen. Ready? Here we go. Go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You remember those? All right, let's go to the next slide. We'll see how you're doing now. (laughs) Why are some of you looking up verses in your Bible, right? You don't wanna, all right? So so only only two blanks. You should be able to do it, all right? Here we go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. peace. Very good, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Want we'll to do one more? We'll only take out one more. Only one more. Next one. there right, here we go. Ready? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. Now, here's the point. The Holy Spirit will always lead us into those characteristics. Always. Probably one of the most often asked questions that I get is, Charles, I'm just not sure what God wants me to do. I'm trying to figure this out. Like, what's God's will? I'm not sure how to put it. Look, I may not know the details. I know this. The Holy Spirit will always lead us into those things. Always. We know the basic trajectory. We may not know all the little nuances. We may not know all the twists and turns. We know this. The Holy Spirit will always lead us into those qualities and never away from them. Always into them and never away from Therefore, it really is important that we memorize those, right? So love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you kind of get that, you get the basic trajectory. Then we can kind of say, okay, well, I may not know the details, but I know the Spirit's leading me in self-control. I know he's leading me in love and faithfulness. I may not know all the details, but I know it's always going to be in these characteristics. Um, But here's another problem. Here's what we often do. We make a chart out of the characteristics that looks something like this. And so, you want to take a quiz? We'll we'll do a quiz. Um, So if you have a piece of paper, whatever, uh, fold it over, you still have your pen from doing the survey, right? And if you have one from church, that's not yours, right? That's stealing, if you take that home. Uh, (laughs) And stealing is not one of the fruit of the Spirit. right? Um, Well, here's what I want you to do. We're going to go through the nine, and I want you to rate yourself on each one. Here's the rankings. S, superior. I got this one licked. P, pretty darn good, pretty darn good. I'm pretty darn good at that one. And lastly, N, I need major work on that one, major work. All right, so here we go. I'm just going to kind of walk you through, give you a couple uh, words to help you think about And over the next few weeks, we're going to walk through these, um, but I'm going to show you how they all work at the end. First of all, love. Superior, pretty darn good, needs major work. Are you good at loving God and loving people? Do you habitually find yourself doing acts of service just to help people out? Do you have a critical, judgmental spirit that would not be a loving thing, right? How are you doing with that? Superior? Pretty darn good? Needs work. How about joy? Joy. What's your current irritability factor? Are you, like, constantly ticked off? Uh, if you are, that's not good for the joy aspect of this deal, right? If, you're like all, if you've got a hair trigger and you are irritable and ticked off in an instant, that's not being joyful. Those spirits not leading into that, right? Are you more inclined to speak words of compliment or critique? Compliment would be kind of the joy thing, Right? Are you able to choose joy in times of frustration? Or do you just go with the flow and you're frustrated? That's joy. How are you? Uh, Superior? Pretty darn good. Uh, Need some work. How about peace? To what degree is your heart and mind at rest? Or do you live with worry and anxiety? If you've got that current, Always running in your head, in your heart, where that anxious feeling, I've got to do this. To. That's not being peaceful, right? Something's going on there that's not coming from the Spirit. How constantly are you troubled, anxious? How about this? Would people describe you as contented? Oh, we better move on. That was hurting. <laughs> How about forbearance, forbearance or patience? How do you respond when you don't get your way? Frustrated, angry, and you make sure everybody knows it, darn it. Yeah, that, that would not be forbearing, all right? How do you handle it when people don't move as quickly as you would like them to move? That's forbearance. Superior? Pretty darn good? Needs work. Kindness. I can tell by looking you need work on this one. <laughs> How inclined are you to lend somebody a helping hand even though you're busy and you've got a full schedule today? How are you doing at encouraging and affirming people rather than reprimanding and challenging people? Kindness? Superior? Pretty darn good? Needs work. How about generosity? We'll tweak that one a little. Generosity. What portion of your time, energy, and resources Do you willingly and joyfully put into play for the benefit of others and to advance what Jesus is doing? Faithfulness. Do people around you, or would people around you call you dependable? Her word is her bond. He said he'll be here, he'll be here. Are you dependable, faithful? When you say you're going to do something, does it get done? Gentleness. How successful are you at saying hard things with grace, gentleness? Over this past week, how often have you come alongside someone who was hurting to comfort them? Gentleness, self-control. Have any bad habits? You got all those handled? Um, ever give in to impulse? Lots of regrets later. How's your mouth these days? Self-control. Superior, pretty darn good, needs work. Well, hopefully that quiz shows you why we're doing this series, because you guys need it. (laughs) But I do want to point out another problem with another vocabulary word that you're going to probably hear a bunch over these next couple months. The word is concatenation, concatenation. And here's what you need to know. The little thing that we just did by listing all of the, by listing the nine fruit over here and then scoring them in that, that's not the intention of Galatians 5, 22 and 23. That's not a bad way to get into it. But Paul does not give us a list of nine separate qualities so that we say, hey, I'm doing really good in four of them. A couple of others, I'm really, really bad. I don't want to talk about them. But most of them, I'm kind of average or better. That's not what he's doing. These nine things... Come together, they're interconnected and they form a unit. That's why the logo for the series is related to the periodic table. Do you notice that? Remember chemistry class? Water has the chemical designation H2O, hydrogen, oxygen. If you separate the hydrogen and oxygen, you no longer have water. Salt. That's a bad word for some of you, I know. Sodium chloride, if you separate them, you no longer have salt. Here's an interesting one. I noticed caffeine was on the board back there. Do you know all the letters in in coffee and chocolate are exactly the same? It's only the numbers that are different. Well, you can't subtract some of the numbers. You can't change the letters and still have coffee or chocolate. If you mess with the composition, you lose the compound. That's what Paul's saying. These nine form a unit. These nine are interrelated and connected. The nine form Christ-like character. They're not nine items in a list. They're nine aspects of a portrait of Jesus. Those nine qualities are manifested perfectly in Jesus. And so it's not scoring ourselves and trying harder to be more joyful. You know, I really have to work on this peace thing, self-control. I'm terrible at that. I need to. No, no, no. It's a composition that comes together. In fact, if you want to look look at them in a chart, here's the way to look at them. You are only as mature as the weakest of your fruit. See, we like to measure ourselves. Well, I'm really good at the loving thing. I'm really good at the the faithfulness thing. I'm kind of lousy. No, we are only as mature as the weakest of our fruit. Why? Because it's a compound of interconnected qualities. It's not a list of nine separate things. So whatever of those you scored weakest on, that's how spiritually mature you are. See how it works? Concatenation. It's a compound. And the compound is not in a list to be separated. The compound is actually a picture of Jesus. Well, that then should raise a question for you. Well, how do I produce this stuff then? If I don't come up with a list of nine things and come up with some you know, action steps to become better each of them, what do I do? Well, I'm glad you asked. In other words, abiding. Abiding is how we do it. Now, right in those chapters that you're going to read from John 14 to 16, right in the middle chapter, 15, John tells us how the Spirit works through us and in us to produce those qualities. Listen to what he writes. Remain, that's the word abide. The old word abide, I'll tell you in a minute. Rebide, r- remain, <laughs> remain in me as I also remain or abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain or abide in my love. So you can think of it this way. Jesus is the vine, we're the branches, and as long as we're connected and the Spirit's energy is flowing through Jesus to us, we'll bear much fruit. But when that connection gets dammed up, when that connection isn't flowing well, we will not be producing those fruit. So the solution is abide. Now, what does it mean to abide? Well, it means two things. Staying connected in community with those that are following Jesus. That's what it means. You're not going to be able to bear fruit if you're not connected to a community that's connected to Jesus and bearing fruit. That's why it's so important for us to gather together, think together, and not just sit and listen as one person talks, but as we share life together, that's sharing in that community. And secondly, as we stay connected to Jesus. How do we do that? Through prayer, through scripture. So we're going to read John 14 to 16. We're going to memorize Galatians 5, 22, and 23. And those principles are going to come into our heads and hopefully down to our hearts. And we're going to, in community, one another, each other, to becoming more fruitful as we continue what Jesus started. I read an interesting uh, story a couple weeks ago. It's about a, a woman whose uh, husband died. She knew she was going to be lonely. And so she came up with a what she thought was a really good idea. She was going to buy a parrot. Because her husband was always talking. She was going to buy a talking bird. And that way she'd always have somebody to kind of talk to and keep the conversation going. So she goes to the pet store and lays out lots of money for a parrot. Brings a parrot home, buys this big cage, puts it. Not a word from the parrot, just looking. Not nothing. Goes back to the pet store the next day, says to the pet store owner, I think you sold me a bad parrot. The parrot doesn't say a word, just kind of looks around. Oh yeah. The parrot probably needs a ladder. Parrots like a ladder. Run up the ladder, come down the ladder. The the bird will get all excited, run up and down the ladder, and the parrot will start talking to you. Great, okay, give me a ladder. Sells her a ladder, goes home, sets up the ladder in the cage. Parrot walks up the ladder, down. Not a word. Nothing. Parrot just looking around. Hmm. Back to the pet store the next day. I bought the cage. I bought the bird. I bought the ladder. No words. I think I got a bad bird. What, what's the problem here? Oh, well, you, the parent needs a swing. That's what a parent needs. Parent gets on the swings, and all of a sudden, before you know it, be, woo, and words will come out. as, as the Parent's excited on the swing. Parrot's on the swing, takes it in, sets up the swing. Parrot's swinging, going up and down the ladder. Nothing. Not a word. Back to the pet store the next day. Four days in a row now. I'm back. I got the cage, I got the bird. I got the ladder, I got the swing. The parrot's playing, all that stuff. Nothing, not a word. What the parrot needs probably is a mirror, right? Parrots like to look at themselves. And You know, a parrot probably looks at you and knows you don't look like it. It's not going to talk to you. Parrot will talk. When his parrot sees himself, he'll talk, right? He'll see somebody like him. Great, give me a mirror. Goes home, lady sets up the mirror. She runs up and down the ladder, swings on the swing. Nothing. Later that afternoon, the parrot drops over dead in the cage. Then he goes back to the pet store. I bought the cage. I bought the ladder. I bought the swing and the mirror, and I paid all that money for the bird. It never said a word. I don't know what happened. Did the parrot say anything right before he expired? And He said, "Yeah." He looked up and said, "Don't they sell any pet? F- or don't they sell parrot food down at that pet store?" you say, why end with that story? I kind of like that story. I don't know. (laughs) I end with that story for this reason. If we're going to produce that fruit, we've got to make sure that we're fed, and we're not fed by trying harder to produce the fruit. We're fed, as we think about Jesus and read about Jesus as we abide in him, as we talk to him, and we live in community together, that's how we're fed. And as we're fed, we will produce the fruit in keeping with the Spirit. Well, that's our mission for the next couple of weeks. So I hope you return. Next week, we'll tackle love head on. And so if you scored low on the love thing, or even if you didn't, you you lied. So we're coming back next week to talk about love. Let's stand and we'll close in prayer. Spirit, we thank you for inspiring your word to be written. And we're thankful that you moved in the Apostle Paul's head and heart to write this aspect, these, this description of Christ-likeness. Lord, help us uh, not primarily to aim at the fruit and try real hard to produce them. Help us to abide in Jesus, allowing the Spirit to reproduce Jesus in us as we seek to continue what he started in the context that you put us in. Thanks for that privilege. We pray in Christ's name, amen.